0: Pastor talked about learning things the hard way, and let me give you the definition for that. Uh, There's a difference between common sense and horse sense. Common sense is common, but horse sense is what's kicked into you. And so sometimes we just have to have some things kicked into us the hard way. We're in a series of lessons uh, on 10 lies. That the world believes and embraces. We uh, talked to you last time about uh, relativism, but let's uh, before we get into the, the lesson on life being random. Uh, let's look. Let's note uh, John chapter eight. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, it tells us something about Satan. And it says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And of course we see that that's very true from the very first book of the Bible where he cast doubt on what God had said to Eve. He said, yea, hath God said? And then he goes on further and just directly contradicts what God has said when he said to Eve, uh, you shall not surely die if you eat of that fruit. And then He's going to question God's motive for the restriction he put upon eating of that one tree. And he said, "For God hath know the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And so Satan has been busy ever since his fall and decimating the world by distributing falseness and lies. And there's a number of lies in this series we're gonna look at that uh, people have embraced. Uh, The last time we were here, uh, before uh, Brother Sargent spoke last week, we talked to you about this idea of relativism, and uh, that's the first lesson. What happened is I printed something wrong, and I put both lessons together, so you get both of them again today. Uh, the first lesson twice, but relativism from the front page of the handout is the view that truth is relative to a particular context and not absolute. Truth varies from people to people, time to time, culture to culture, and there are no absolute. Truth is created, truth is determined or created rather than discovered or realized. And so all that means is, is that Truth for you is truth for you, and truth for me is truth for me. And I have no right to tell you that your truth is wrong. You have no right to tell me that my truth is wrong. Uh, but the Bible says <coughs> that you should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That the Word of God is truth. That truth is exclusive. And we kind of summed up that by, uh, you're there in Romans, uh, if you go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 19, This kind of brings this whole argument of relativism to an end, and actually, uh, I mean, as you were here and heard that lesson, this this thinking, this philosophy of relativism, is what engulfs our world today. And we pointed out to you how that it really has its roots; it has its foundation in evolution that life is changing, that, that everything's evolving. And so truth that was truth a thousand years ago has evolved to not be that today. That's why homosexuality was rejected a thousand years ago. But because we've advanced, we've evolved, we know better now, it's, it is acceptable activity today. Yet God <laughs> says, no, that's not true. And, and so he wants to present us the truth. And In Romans 1.19, uh, there's a, a couple of uh, key little words here. He, uh, he says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Uh, you see the word little word, uh, in, and you see the word, he's manifested it unto them. In has to do with, Every man has a conscience in a sense of right and wrong. And you, f- you find that over in uh, the second chapter of Romans, chapter 2, verse 14, where he says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law, do by the nature of the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, and meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another, People try to say, well, you want to believe that truth? You want to believe that it's true uh, in a moral, in a moral uh, way, uh, moral issues? I don't believe it's true. It's true for you. But the Bible says that, that every man has within him this conscience and a sense of right and wrong. We don't have to spend all of our time arguing those things. God's already been there before us. And then when it says, manifest unto them... Really, that's, that's speaking about uh, Psalms 19, uh, that the, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork that is manifested unto them, that is the person of Christ in creation. And so actually, you know, instead of spending all of our time defending the truth and trying to, you know, show the, the uh, stupidity of relativism, uh, God's already been there, and what we just need to do is give, give the truth, it, it just unleash the truth. Uh, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, and I've never known anybody that has to defend a lion before. Uh, a lion takes care of itself, and so does the word of God. It takes care of itself. Now, Today, if you'll open up your uh, hand out there a little bit further then uh, to the second lesson where it talks about life being random, that, that in today's world that life is a uh, random. what do we mean when we say that the, the, the lie today concerning life is random? What's well, the idea that everything in life, the good times and the bad, the joys and the disappointments, the open doors and the roadblocks, are ultimately a product of a chance, is a product of being in the right place at the right time. And uh, we live in a world where uh, people see themselves as victims of random circumstances Success is being born on the right side of the tracks. Success is being uh, genetically superior, is to be academically superior, socially and materialistically, and as we said, being in the right place at the right time. And again, this idea of randomness, this idea of, you know, the dice was rolled and I was lucky, you know, that I was, that, that, that I was there when they was talking about the job and, and, uh, and, I, and I put myself forth to get the job. And it was just a happenstance that I was in the right place at the right time. Well, let's go back and remember that, that evolution equals time Plus chance, plus matter. And as I, as I mentioned last week, this thing, uh, this, this evolution is not just about biology, it's a philosophy. And it's a philosophy that covers all aspects of our lives. And when it comes to this randomness, you see the word chance. That that some people are better off today because they were lucky. That they that they uh, that, that life is random, but uh, look over into Psalms uh, one thirty nine. In Psalms one thirty nine, I think we'll begin to see that life is not just based upon randomness, the roll of the dice. In Psalms 139 and verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. And so you see here that David, when he's speaking concerning himself, he said that he was fearfully and wonderfully made, that that he wasn't a product of time and chance. His life was not just composed of of being at the right place, that he went down uh, and the giant was there and he knew how to throw a sling and it was all just happenstance that his dad sent him down there at that moment and to to take some food to the armies. And it it was a lucky moment in time that David went and it was lucky that the the sling was was slung and the rock went and hit, hit hit the giant in the head And a product of chance. No, David says that he's fearfully and wonderfully made, not a product of chance. And then he says in verse 16, Thy eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect in the book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. And then he says in verse uh, 17, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, those thoughts our purpose, that God has some purpose for David, that his thoughts were purposeful thoughts. But verse 16, uh, I think it clearly speaks of the DNA uh, molecule in our body written. And I have a pretty long quote here in your notes. If you think your life is random, Chance, uh, chance, if you think your life is random, chance thinking about the complexity of human cells, and particularly DNA molecule. What is DNA? DNA is a large complex molecule that carries the information that determines the characteristics of living things. A single human chromosome, a DNA molecule, contains 20 billion bits of information. How much is that? what would be its equivalent? If it were written down in an ordinary printed book in modern human language, 20 billion bits are the equivalent of about three billion letters. If there are approximately six letters in an average word, the informational content of the human chromosome corresponds to about 500 million words. If there were about 300 words on the ordinary page of a printed page, the correspondence to about two million pages. If a typical book contained 500 such pages, the information content of a single human chromosome corresponds to some forty-four thousand volumes. It is clear then that the sequences of the rungs of our DNA ladder represents an enormous library of information. And so, we're just saying that that there is a designer, and, we, and if there's a designer, then there must be purpose. Uh, for what he's designed, and and what evolution is saying, evolution is saying. Let's say we we just pulled up a, a, a 2021 uh, new car, Honda CRV, or whatever you want to put there, and you say, "Who made this?" And you'll say, "Well, uh, the car made itself, or the, the car he he uh, he he wrote the manual for." Uh, and uh, set the blueprints for the car, and now it existed. Well, you see, that's really what evolution is saying. That Evolution is saying that, that the DNA molecule came about by chance, and it was written by itself to produce itself. Well, how stupid is that? Just the DNA molecule tells us that life is not random. That though you may not, uh, I didn't like this morning what I saw in the mirror. <laughs> nevertheless, I was given, and I am who I am, and God made me. And for us, just to simply realize that God made us uh, makes purpose in our life. Why? Why are those who embrace evolution? Uh, you know, they have to. They have to believe in relativism. They have. They have. They have no purpose in life but what they make from it. And so, actually, to say that, you know, my life was just a series of of luckiness and a series of chances and a series of things that that I was in the right place at the right time, it's really a direct assault. It's really a challenge. It's an affront to the God who created us. It's taking glory from Him. I mean, when you study about the DNA molecule, how can you not say that a God is a great God? Okay. Now, I want to ask you this question. What percentage, if we're doing percentage, what percentage of success, what percentage of success is uh, being in the right place at the right time. I want you to th- we're going to answer this later, but I want you to think about 50%, 100%, Zero? What percentage of success is being in the right place at the right time? Well, first I want to point out that life is not random, but God is in control. And uh, did I write these verses in your notes? Okay. Uh, Isaiah, did I write the, not just the reference, but also the verse? Okay. Uh, Isaiah uh, fourteen twenty-seven. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? And so God is a God that does things on purpose. What we must understand is this. There is nothing that God did that was by random. Nothing. Nothing. In the creation, and particularly in your life. Sometimes God may yank your chain, and you think, well, you know, I just, I just wasn't thinking or I wasn't in the right place at the right time, uh, but uh, God has a purpose. God has a purpose for everything. God has a purpose for everything. And I want you to think about the bad things that happened last week. What was God trying to do? It's not random. The things that happen and come into our lives are not random. And I'm not saying, we're going to get on and see this. I'm not saying that our sin can't reap the consequences and God is not in the sin, but He is in the law of sowing and reaping. And God can still take Romans 8 28 and work it for good to those that love God or call according to His purpose. But life is not random. Job forty two two. I know that thou canst do everything; that no thought can be withholden from thee, and that word thought means purpose. No intent can be withholden from you. And Proverbs twenty one thirty, there is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord, and so uh, no one is going to succeed in opposing God and God's will. When I was a young man and felt the call of God on my life and, and I uh, stood up against God and said, uh, you may have called me to preach, but I ain't preaching. You can kill me if you want to, but I'm not doing it. Well, I stand here today as evidence that no man can can oppose himself against God and uh, win. And he could have killed me justly. But the, the gifts and the callings of God without repentance. Uh, now, you don't need to think about that verse a little bit. What God wants you to do, He never changed His mind about it. A preacher, a person can disqualify himself, but God's in, initial purpose doesn't change. 3310 of of Psalms. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts, the purpose, the plan of his heart to all generation. Chronicles, 2nd Chronicles 26 says, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathens? And as thy hand there is no, is, and in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. There are many devices in a man's heart. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And then uh, I wrote in here, and we'll, we'll look at it later. But in Psalms thirty seven twenty three, the Bible says. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And so God takes special attention to those who are saved. Of course, his purpose for the unsaved is for them to be saved. But the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, If you want to to just hammer on that and and say that God has a purpose and his purpose isn't going to be changed, if you're not careful to study the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God, you can become a Calvinist. And you can say, well, God determined it. You know, that this adulterous affair I had is because God determined it. I have in my office Arthur Pink and he says that, that God is in everything to the typing of the wrong letter on the typewriter. He wrote it before his computers that corrected themselves. God is in control of everything. Well, um, I think if you study the word at all you'll see that man has a free will and man is not a robot. And so when speaking about the sovereignty of God, we must not become a Calvinist who say that God determines everything down to the typing of the wrong key on the typewriter. <clears throat> that verse in uh, uh, Psalm seventy-eight, forty-one. I don't have those notes here. Is, is that on the, in your notes too? Or should we turn to Psalm seventy-eight? Let's go to Psalm seventy-eight. For some reason, it seems like that if you read it out of your Bible, it's better than a printout, huh? Mm -hmm. This is an outstanding verse. Not outstanding good, but just stands out. This verse stands out. Psalms 78 and 41, talking about Israel. Verse 40, how often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? If God determined everything beforehand, how could he be grieved? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That's saying that God wanted to do something with them and for them, but they limited God. Now, wait a minute. You know, how can the almighty sovereign God be limited? Because he allows man to have a free will. And so when we're talking about this life is random, no, not, life is not random. God has a purpose and a design. God has some things that he wants for us, but a, we have the ability to make decisions that put us out of the will of God put us out of his perfect will, that he, has, that he has a plan for us that's not like anybody else's plan, but a plan specifically for you, and you can miss it. Concerning the lost people, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. A very clear statement about God's design for humanity is that He would want all to come to repentance, but all don't come to repentance. And so, it's possible to limit the holy one of Israel. But let's look at some examples of the, in the Bible where life was not random. But God's fingers were in the mix of all of it. Go over to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Jacob has sent Joseph down to see how his brothers are doing in the grazing of their livestock. And verse 14 of Genesis 37, And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and, behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, say, What seeketh thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found him in the Dothan. What a wonderful chance circumstance. He was out there wandering around. He looking around, wandering around like a, a, like a goose in a fog bank. And this guy just happens to be there. And uh, he says, you you know, have you seen my brethren? No, listen, God was in it. The life is not random. But God is in the affairs of men. And then look down there in verse uh, 24 of chapter 37. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Well, pits were made for water. Pits were made for trying to catch animals and stuff. But just that when he came there, the pit just happened to be empty. And now they're discussing whether to kill him or not. What are we going to do with this guy who has, he thinks that uh, all the sheaves are going to bow down to him and the moon and the stars, the moon and the sun and the stars bow down to him? What are we going to do with this arrogant Joseph? who is daddy's favorite, and he gave him that coat of many colors. Well, let's kill him. Let's just get him out of our life. Let's get rid of this pain in the rear. And verse 25, And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes, and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery, and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. Man, how lucky he was. Saved his neck. Because they're going to say, you know what? Instead of killing him, let's make some money on him. And let us sell him unto the Ishmaelites, verse 27. What am I saying? I'm saying that life is not random. Now I want you to think about where those Ishmaelites had to be when Jacob said go go to your brethren and how did, how did they just happen to camp right there by that pit well God was in the affairs consider Ruth in the book of Ruth remember Ruth said that to her mother-in-law, my God will be your God. I Your God will be my God. Don't ask me to leave. I will go and, and where thou lodgest I will lodge and thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. And her mother-in-law told her, listen, I'm too old to have any more sons to raise up to fulfill the Leverite law where you would marry a brother. I'm too old for that. But there was one that was a near kinsman, one that could redeem her and and marry her. And in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 3, And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap, look at that, her happenstance, or it happened, it happened. Her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Man, what what a, what a wonderful happenstance. No. When she set out that day, there was different fields that she could glean at, and it was the law of the land not to glean the corners, and they could come on and pick up whatever fell on the ground. And, and uh, we don't know if she passed a num- number of fields, or, or just one field. But we do know that she went to the exact field of the man who God had designed to be her husband. That uh, happenstance. I remember uh, one time at, uh, getting ready to go to school, Uh, In my pickup and and I'm one of those guys as soon as the uh, Soon as the light turns green, I'm stomping it So I pulled up to the light and uh, For some reason (laughs) I Didn't stomp it and the guy ran a guy ran right through the red light I'd have been t-boned Well, weren't you lucky? No, I think more was involved there than luck that day. And then you and I. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. No matter what anyone does you, suppresses you, overlooks you, denies you, rejects you, oppresses you, the child of God can be confident that God is in the mix. Even in the good and the bad, and that's overwhelming, isn't it? Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love God. I mean, if we love God, we're going to want to keep His commandments. He's not going to make things work if we don't obey. But all things work together for good. Even the bad things in my life, God can work them for good, which is incredibly humbling. And so I want you to just, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, the Bible says, forgetting those things that are behind, press on to the mark. But I want you to just think a little bit about the events of the last couple of weeks the good and the bad. And understand if God yanked your chain, if God poured out, if you had a blessing last week, if uh, this seemed like that you were, I'm just doing the same old, same old. I'm just going through life. Well, let me say to you that even when you consider yourself going through the same old, same old, uh, God allowed you to live. And until we become no earthly good to our heavenly father, he's left us here for a purpose. You see, um, one of the wonderful things about being a Christian is this. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. Romans says, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? So even the fact that God allows the lost man to live, is his goodness. Now, what percentage of success is being in the right place at the right time? Well, that's one of those Humphrey trick questions. Mm -hmm. It's 100%. But first we need to define, we need to define Success, what is success? Success is being in the right place at the right time. The right place is in the center of god's will right smack dab in the center of god's will i read this week about uh, just about judgment seat of christ and did some study on that but uh he said at the Judgment seat of Christ and of course particularly the also the great white throne judgment At a judgment seat of Christ. It's not going to matter how many Super Bowl rings you had How many millions of dollars you made What's really going to matter is whether you were in the center of God's will Success Is in the right place in the right time, the right time. I guess I won't go there yet, but success is obedience to God, empowered by the Spirit of God, motivated by love for God, and directed toward the glory of God and the advancement of His kingdom. Is that in your notes? You need to mark that. Success is obedience to God. Empowered by the spirit of God, motivated by the love of God, and directed and directed toward the glory of God. And so, success begins with, uh, you know, success has an element of obedience. Listen, you cannot be successful and be disobedient it's not rocket science when we know he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is what sin we're not going to be successful and and we use that term when, when we say successful you know well, I'm making this much money, and I buy this house, and I'm driving a nice car. Let me again say to you, at the judgment seat of Christ, none of that stuff's gonna be there. It will not be there. And so I'm gonna to have to be obedient. In Acts twenty twenty, Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus said, now I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. That's success. But I have showed you and I have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> success involves obedience. And success absolutely is going to have a, the Holy Spirit is going to have a role in our lives as we yield to Him. Not only is He the Holy Spirit necessary in our yielding for obedience, but in our power to perform. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about my muscles, though we ought to stay in shape. It's not about my initiative, although we ought to quickly obey and get up and get going. But the Spirit of God is necessary to bring about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and uh, to empower us to do the work of the Lord. And so, life is not random. Look over there in Ephesians chapter 5. How much time I got? Am I over time yet? Oh, I could probably chase two rabbits in that time. Ephesians chapter 5. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. See that you walk circumspectly, the verse before that, looking around. Don't be a fool. Realize that life isn't just randomness. Redeeming the time redeeming that's that word X X X something argo or, but uh, it means to buy out of the buy out of the market but really what it means is this it means to uh, redeeming the time means to take up your opportunities okay let me do something silly here so here I'm setting and it's like this. A very thoroughbred fast horse has stopped right in front of me. He's saddled up and he's ready to go. Time. It's ready to go. And it's gonna go. And I can either seize the opportunity. Horse runs on down the road, and I've lost it. Take up your opportunities. Let God make you purposeful. That life is not just about existence, it's not random. God brings things into my life, and I need to, and and, and when he says, walk circumspectly, that is, you know, listen, I can get myself in a little autopilot mode where I don't want to see the needs of people. I don't want to see the opportunities for me to be a blessing. I don't want any people in my life right now, and I lose my purpose. Let me tell you something. Living for self is the most miserable life you can live. Because when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, your cars, your job, your reputation, your material goods won't be there. And what is presented at the judgment seat of Christ will either be wood, hay, and stubble that go up in smoke, or it'll be gold, silver, and precious stone. And so life is not random. Go to Second Timothy. You see, if we, you see, if we would just understand that our purpose in life is far more greater than what we think it is, far more greater than just scratching out a living, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't provide for our families, but I'm saying that we can bring honor and glory and have purpose and meaning, and we can be a blessing to others, and we can bring glory to God, even in scratching out a daily living. In 2nd Timothy 1 and verse 9 he says who has saved us that's God and called us with a holy calling he's not speaking just about Timothy being a preacher God saved you for a purpose not only to have a home in heaven and your sins forgiven But you have a purpose, and in that purpose, you can bring honor and glory to God. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so maybe when we have to make a decision about something, and we get all uptight about it, and we're trying to know what to do, maybe we should ask ourselves, what's it going to matter in 10,000 years? What is going to matter is if we live for the Lord. And so he says here, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. As a young man, one of the things that, when I learned that one of the things that over my heart was to know that God had a purpose for me. And he had a will for me. And it was only for me. He had a design for my life that fit for me. And I had an opportunity to live in the will of God or to fight the will of God. And so, life is not random. It's not a happenstance thing. That God's will is that all people would be saved. That God's will is that we would live in his purpose. That would seize the moment. The horse has stopped in front of us. He's wanting to go. He's a high-strung thoroughbred. In time must be purchased. Redeeming the time, redeeming the opportunity. Grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of the saddle horn and mount up and ride. Ride in the center of God's will. There may be times that you get bucked off. Get back up and say, Lord, what would you have me to do what do you want me to do today? And we're not talking—we're not talking about spectacular events every hour. But we're talking about putting one foot in front of another and just doing what you know you should be doing in the moment. You see, a far. Far too many guys are sitting right here when the horse is there to mount and they're wondering, well, what about tomorrow? Well, what's going to happen next year? Tomorrow doesn't belong to you. And next year doesn't belong to you. Today. Life's not random. Life has a purpose, and God wants to do some things through us where, in the end, people would say, uh, Boy, how did that happen? And you can say, God did it. It was all of God. And the joy of having a purpose and not just going, making mouse in through life as though life is random. It's not about money, it's not about the car, not about the house. But it's about, did I do today what the Lord wanted me to do? Whether it was just get up and change your baby's diaper, And I said just. Well, (laughs) being a good mother is more than just just. Being in God's will, all right? (coughs) Nothing prevents you from doing that but you. Okay? Enough preaching for today. You're dismissed.